0: I love worshiping Jesus together, It just lifts my spirit. We had an amazing weekend. I was gone last weekend as we did the Young Adults Retreat in Kauai, and man, what a time seeking the Lord together. Open with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, and uh, guys, this was a Intense and epic week for us as a family. We drove our first child to college. Oh my goodness. And um, it was only an hour and 45 minute drive, but Steph and I split the drive. Um, riding, we, we took two cars, so I rode for half, Steph rode for half. It's so funny, you're like driving, and it was, you're thinking, man, this is like the last time I'm gonna ever see my daughter. So I'm in my mind, I'm racking my brain. For everything, I need to tell her like i 'm never going to see her again, and uh, but we had this interesting experience because we we get to college. she went to Biola up in los angeles and and we had an experience that i 've never had before. We walk through the doors and i'm i 'm leading the way, and uh, we walk up to the table you know i 'm just kind of charging forward to get her to the to the table in her dorm, and the weirdest thing happened is. We get to the table, and I say hello, and they don't even look at me. They just look at her. I'm thinking the nerve of them. Um, and, and they welcome her to, to Biola, they ask for her name, they don't even ask for my name, and I'm thinking like, I paid for this thing. Uh, but they don't even ask for, for my name, and then they check her name off, and then they hand her um, they hand her one of these. They hand her, they say, here is your key. And that was the weirdest thing because all of Hallie's life, I'm the one who hands her keys. Like I've handed her the key to her house. I handed her the key to her car, which is in my name, by the way. Um, Every key she's ever gotten, it's been handed to her by me. They didn't even look at me. They look at her, they ask her name, and then they hand her her key. They don't even ask me if I'm okay with them handing her a key. They just hand her a key and then I follow her up and and we use the key and we walk into this room. And this room had nothing to do with me, it belongs to her. And, and, and I'm thinking, man, this is so crazy. What a key symbolizes. A key symbolizes a whole new realm of possibilities. It symbolizes a whole new season of our life. And it got me thinking about this message today as I want to talk to you, continuing on in our series on increase, but I want to actually talk to you about scriptural or spiritual or supernatural keys for increase. I want you to take notes on this this morning, Supernatural Keys to Increase, because we're in a season where God is speaking so clearly to us about increase. In fact, God has sent prophetic minister after prophetic minister this year to us to speak to all people's church and to speak to us as individuals about increase. Uh, You you might not have been here for the Sunday where this happened, but God sent us a prophetic minister, Chris Valatin. And he spoke these words over us. Can we, can we
1: roll that film? Hey, because I just I want had you to a, see. Uh, he was only word, one of actually five different people but, who um, spoke to this. But want, I just want you to see that this people. morning. But I Please, saw uh, you guys uh, coming into a new epoch, EPOCH, E-P-O-C-H season. And, uh, and I, I, saw, um, I saw Robert and Stephanie saying, oh, we got a new truck. And you were expecting like uh, a one-ton four-wheel drive to come up. And, uh, and a 16-wheeler pulled up. And, and Stephanie turned to you and said, is that our new truck? And you said, not what I thought it was going to be. And I feel like uh, the Lord wants you to get your expectations to be bigger than you thought. And I believe that today, uh, I believe the Lord is stretching our faith. Not just your faith, but like the faith of the congregation is growing. And uh, I feel like there's a massive uh, increase coming to, uh, to obviously this area, but also to this community and this church. And so um, I want to say that you're thinking too small. And I was uh, reminded of Abraham. Sorry I didn't do this in the first service, but I, I just wanted to make sure it was right. Uh, but I'm reminded of Abraham when God said to him, hey, you're going to be a father of nations. Come outside and let's walk in the sand and the Lord's like, Abraham, count the seeds, count the, the grains of sand, and then count the stars. And this was God's idea of a prophetic word for Abraham. Abraham, you're thinking too small. And you have to remember that Abraham couldn't even have children until he's 99. So sometimes the Lord, what the Lord says to us is obnoxiously too big. Is that, is that even a word? Obnoxiously too big. And uh, I feel like the plan the Lord has for you is obnoxiously too big. Like, I feel like it's so big that if you, you, you won't even tell people because they'll think you're bragging.
0: Come on. How about that, guys? Yeah, I realize some of you missed that because he said, I didn't do this in the first service. And so, such a powerful word. Let's go ahead and dive into 2 Kings 4, because when you get a word, you want to ask the Lord, okay, what do I need to do to align myself to see this word come to fruition? God will give words, and then he wants his people to receive it by faith, first of all. So do you receive that by faith? Do you receive that by faith? Man, I I would think you'd be more excited. God sends a prophetic person to say, there's increase for you. And so we receive it by faith, but then we say, God, how do I align myself to partner with what you're wanting to do in this next season? And so as I'm seeking the Lord about this, God brought me to a scripture, a text where someone needed to align themselves in order to receive the increase they so desperately needed. And I wanted to say, in the day we're living in, the body of Christ is in desperate need of increase. In the day we're living in, believers are in need of increase, the world is in need of your increase. Second Kings chapter four says this, the wife of a man from the company Of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So let me just give you a little background. 2 Kings chapter 4, we find ourselves in a bad place. There's been uh, evil intruders that have come into the land of Israel. There's oppression from the government. There's really a lot of destruction and death. And so now what we're seeing is a family that's in bad shape. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So this woman, her husband's died, and now there's debt, and so now she's not only lost her husband, but now she's in danger of losing her children to the creditors that would come and take them and put them in slavery. This is a bad situation. Elisha, so Elisha, is a prophet. And what you need to know is any time a country, uh, an area gets into a bad place, God will raise up people that love him, that revere him, that fear him, that honor them to send them in with good news and the power of his kingdom upon them. And so God sends Elisha into this crisis. Elisha replied to her, "How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house?" Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts, you and your sons can live on what is left. I love this story because it speaks of supernatural increase in a time of crisis. A supernatural increase in a time of crisis. If you're in crisis today, I want to tell you, you're not hopeless. If you're in crisis today, I want to tell you that you have a God who is the God of increase. With God, all things are Possible. I'm, I'm looking at people. You're not knowing where your next bill is going to come from. You don't know where your breakthrough is going to come from. Maybe you have a prodigal child today. I want to tell you God is a God of increase, and I want you to listen to these words. Let faith build in your heart. Take note on how this person of God responded, and let's see a breakthrough in your life. Key number one. So we're going to talk about keys for supernatural increase. Key Number one, key number one, understand that increase is not relegated to favorable circumstances. What do I mean by that? I mean, all the ingredients don't have to look favorable for you to see an increase. Your finances don't need to be going up. You don't need to have all the perfect relationships today. You don't need to have the best job today. You don't need to be in the best car today. Your increase is not relegated to favorable circumstances. It says this, the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. I want to tell you, even in a time of death, and often in a time of death, it's often when things look the bleakest that God brings the breakthrough it's often when night is the darkest that God's light starts to shine. I started this series talking about my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather lost one of his parents, and so he was without his mother, and then his father fell doing a construction job, and he was an orphan. Things looked the bleakest for him, but at that time, He moved to a new town and it was the perfect time. Why? Because God says, for I know the plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He says, in all things, God works for those who are called according to his purposes. Can I tell you that God is working things out? as we align ourselves with him and we follow him. So what happened? My great grandfather, who loses not one parent, but both parents, he's an orphan. He ends up having to move to a different town. And as he moves to that perfect town for him, he gets saved. And as he gets saved, he starts using his gifts and it opens up the door for him to be a city leader. By the next generation, his son becomes the mayor. And because his dad was an orphan, my grandfather ends up having a heart for orphans and starting one the biggest children's homes that's going on 80 years later in in the state of Texas today. Thousands of kids have been transformed. It's brought up mayors of the city. It's brought up all kinds of leaders of commerce. But God can work in your darkest hour. I think about our church. I think about how God has worked when we had no money, and, and yet we needed to move, and, and all of a sudden, does someone overhears one of our staff members talking and says, we want to provide the, the $10,000 to open the door for you. I think about when we had no, no place to go in the future, and in that hour that everyone said it was impossible, that's when we got the amazing piece of land on the highway. It is in times that seem impossible that God works. With him all things are possible. He loves to display his glory in times that are dark. This uh, woman did have a secret. Her husband was a man of God. She said this, she said, he revered the Lord. He revered the Lord. People, don't ever underestimate the power of honoring the Lord with your life. Because it doesn't just set you up, it sets your friends up, it sets your spouse up, it sets your children up for success. Listen to Psalm 512. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as with a shield. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as with a shield. The greatest thing we can do to protect our children is for us to honor the Lord. So many of us spend so much time worrying about every little thing. And man, at any time, you can't do everything to protect your kids, but you can fear the Lord. You can honor the Lord. And so what happens is this man feared the Lord and even in his death, God started working for him. In dark times, God protects those who love him. I, I think about the, the, the persecution we've gotten as we're trying to build a facility on the freeway and people started putting up signs around the neighborhood saying, you know, basically saying they wanna stop us. And all of a sudden we started having numerous people come to our church saying, we saw the signs about you and we wanted to come and check out. And then they ended up joining us. Some of the best, most wonderful people have joined this church because people put up signs against us. God can take what the enemy intends to hurt you and use it for your blessing. Fear the Lord, honor the Lord. He is your protector. Key number two, key number two. Elisha replied to her. So she's she's crying out, she's asking for help. In verse number two, it says, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. I, I think this is so often our heart. We get into a hard time. We get into a challenge, and we're like, I have nothing. I, I, I'm, I'm weak. I'm broken. Can I tell you that God loves our dependency on him? He loves it when we're calling out to him. But she ends up going, well, except a small jar of oil, except a small jar of oil. What do you have today? You might feel like, man, I, I, I look at this person, and they have an amazing voice. I look at this person, and they seem to be able to generate finances. I look at this person, and they have just such a, an incredible brain. I look at this person, and they have this big family. I look at this person, and they have this big house. I love that Elisha says, what do you have? She basically just says, I, well, I have this one little jar of oil. Let me tell you that every person, in the sound of my voice, every person listening online God has given you something. God has given you something. And he's asking us today, will you be faithful in that little? Will you be faithful with what God has given you? Instead of looking at all that you don't have, would you look at the one little thing he's given you and say, today I choose to be faithful. Write this down right now. Write this in your notes. What has God given me? What has God given me? Let's push pause for a second on the Old Testament and let's go to the words of Jesus. I love the words of Jesus. I hope you are continually spending time in the Bible in the words of Jesus. I wanna look with you at Luke 19. This is called the parable of the talents. While they were listening to this, he, this is Jesus, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. So what is this telling us? This is telling us, Jesus is explaining to people, everyone has been given something. Everyone has been given a talent or a mina. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He is made king, however, and returned home. It sounds very familiar. Many people do not want Jesus. They, they hate Jesus. They want him away. They don't want him to be Lord. Then he sent for his servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mita has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant. His master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned you five more. His master answered, take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I've kept it and laid it away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they will have may be taken away. What did God require? What did God require? What was God wanting? He was wanting increase. He was wanting increase. He was just saying, take that one little thing you have and multiply it. And... and and who was judged? It was the one who took the one little thing that he had been given and hid it. Right? We we think, man, I, I've only been given one, but here is here is a person who took the one little talent. And what does God say in return after he's faithful? He's saying, Now take charge of ten cities. Can I tell you that God is looking for faithful men and women? Right, so many of us, we spend our life in disappointment and discouragement by how little we feel like we've been given. And God is saying, no, just be faithful with the little and I'll make you ruler over much. Right, today, you might say, I don't have a house. Let me ask you, do you have a room? Be faithful with that room. You say, I don't have a room. Do you have a bed? If you got a little bed, be faithful with that bed Maybe God will give you a desk, too. Be faithful with that bed and desk. Maybe God will give you a room. Be faithful with that room. Maybe God will give you a two-bedroom apartment. Be faithful with that. Maybe God will give you a house. You say, man, I don't, I don't have a, 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 a company, but do you have a job? Right? Instead of always looking at what you don't have, what if you say, I'm going to be the most faithful in my job. You're like, well, I, I just take money from tolls. Well, take it for the glory of God. Take that money and bless the per- Pray for the person in front of you. Honor, give a smile to someone. Do your job the best you can and watch. God says he's faithful and little, will be ruler over much. Right, you say, I don't like my job. Can you be faithful to give glory in your job and let him increase you? You say, I don't like my school, I don't like my class, I don't like my teacher, but can you be faithful there and watch God give you more? Right, you say, I don't like my kid, be faithful with that kid, maybe he'll give you another one you like. I'm just kidding. Man, that got me too many laughs. I'm a little uncomfortable. With how much you laughed at that, I think about some of my friends that were in a, a, a horrific situation, uh, Larry and Nancy Madsen, they were two of my, my parents' closest friends or lifelong family friends. Their son got cancer, and um, they were a, a, a real party family in our city. Their son their son was stricken with uh, leukemia as a junior in in college, uh, I mean, a junior in high school, and um, he fought such a good fight, and he kept such a great attitude, but he suffered, and uh, in the midst of their suffering, uh, they, they found Jesus. Someone shared with them about Jesus, and they were consoled uh, in, in the love of Jesus and in the hope of Clay, actually, if he died, going to heaven, and tragically, he did not get healed. He He went to be with the Lord, and they were absolutely broken. But Jesus started changing their life, and from the rubble and and pain of their life, they said, well, we we want to honor the Lord. We want to do something. And so they said, you know, something we can do is we can open up our home. We know people. We have friends. People rallied around us in Clay's death, and so we can invite them into our home. So they teamed up with a, a guy who loved to teach the Bible. And they opened their home for a walk through the Bible. So they're brand new believers. They don't, they're, they're, they're not deep in God. They didn't know a ton of scripture, but they said, we can do something. We have a home and we know people. And so they opened their home and they, and they started their first walk through the Bible, midweek Bible study. And what was crazy is that, that people came and as people came, they, they invited their friends that didn't know Jesus. One by one, people started giving their life to Jesus started with ones and twos, which they were just amazed by, that God was using them in their home to bring friends to the Lord. But then it went from twos and threes to a dozen. And then it went from a dozen to two dozen. And then it went from two dozen to a hundred. And after about a 10 to 15-year run, they had seen 2,500 people come through their home. More from one, one little household than most churches will see in their existence. Over a thousand people saved through one family who said we're not just going to live in our pain in our sorrow but we're going to take the little we have. We have a home and we know some people and out of that the mayor of the city was saved and out of that a congressman was saved. You never know what God will do with your little. Do you have an apartment? Open it up for the glory of God. Do you have a home? Why don't you open it up and bring people in? Do you have a job? Why don't you use it to be a bright light? Do you have money? Then use it to, to advance the gospel and to bless the poor and to give to God. Do you have time? I love that we're having this uh, this, leader, uh, this um, volunteer launch today. Is there anything more important to do with our time than to serve Jesus? Is there anything that's more valuable? You're put on the earth for his glory. What can be better than giving him some of your time each week just to glorify him, just to help, just to serve people? You never know what God's going to do. You never know who God's going to reach. You think, man, I, I'm not bold. I, I, and I don't even know people like the Madsons. I can't be like the guy who walked people through the Bible study. I was uh, in Washington, D.C., with, uh, with this, this couple. And, and I hadn't seen them in years. But about 15 years earlier, uh, I, I had been with them on their, their rooftop terrace of their two-story penthouse in a Middle Eastern city. And, and I'm watching all these these dignitaries come, come through, and, and I started hearing about how God was using this couple to go into all these different Middle Eastern countries and to actually speak about Jesus with royalty. And you're going, this is amazing. They're, they're risking their lives. They're risking their reputation. But then I heard this story about how this couple, this former Muslim couple, came to know Jesus. It was through the most unsuspecting person There was this uh, Oklahoma college student, and they said that he was painfully shot, like he wouldn't even talk to someone. In fact, they were totally uh, blown away when this kid signed up to go on this mission trip to this Middle Eastern city with his local church, because he would never even talk to anyone. And so the the leader of the team, he was telling me this story. He said, "I, I took this this, this group, and there was this one kid, and he was like the kid who just sat down and liked, looked down, and he never even engaged with the group, and he kind of frustrated them because he was so painfully shy. And he said, we, we ended up doing this outreach where we were gonna go out and, and share with people and invite them to a party. And he said this young man, he couldn't even look at people in the eyes, but he stood on the corner of the street and he had cards. He had cards like this. This is why we make cards. Take this card real quick. This is the the card for our Sunday services. You wouldn't believe how many times through the years that people have shown up at this church with a card in their hand and said, hey, I got this card. Can I come in? We're like, uh, yes, <laughs> you, you may come. Thank you for bringing your card so we could... We could allow you in. But, so this young man is standing on the street corner in a Middle Eastern city, right? Some of you thought I was going to say, standing on the corner, winds, low airs. Um Standing on the corner in a Middle Eastern city, can't even look up at people, but he would just, as people would walk, walk uh, by, he'd say, here, here. Not even looking at him. Here, here. Well, he happens to be there when this young prodigal son, this young, rich kid who was totally disenfranchised with life, not wanting to even live anymore, the son of two very wealthy parents who had a penthouse apartment in a Middle Eastern city. You can tell where this, city, this story is going. This painfully shy Oklahoman doesn't even look at him. So he just goes, here. This prodigal son of multi-millionaire parents grabs it and sees, oh, a party. A party with some Americans. And so he takes it and he's like, oh, this is interesting. I have nothing better to do with my life. I can at least go and practice my English. He takes the card and he shows up. All a person said to him was here and handed him a card. He comes to this party. At this party, he meets some very loving Christians and he gives his life to Jesus that night. What happens is his wealthy father who had been very frustrated with how his son had been living and they had a broken relationship started watching his son get transformed. And so he and his wife end up showing up to this group. They give their lives to Jesus and they become two of the most influential gospel spreaders in the whole Middle East. Are you using what you have? You say, Robert, I, I, I don't have a, a, a voice. I can't I can't preach. Can you stare at the ground and hold out your hand? <laughs> God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, is what Scripture says. God will take your little and will make much of it. What do you have? And are you using it to glorify God? Just your little in the hands of the Lord can become great. 2 Kings 4, 2. So he says, what do you have? Your servant has nothing except a small jar of oil, olive oil. I love in scripture that olive oil symbolizes anointing. Can I tell you that every one of you has been anointed? If you've given your life to Jesus, he's put his Holy Spirit in you and he has deposited a gift. There is a gift on your life and this world desperately needs the gift that God has given you. You might be the one person who unlocks someone forever. I cannot tell you how many times that people in this church have given someone a word that turned their whole life around. Just a word, just a prophetic word. The scripture says in First Corinthians chapter 14 that everyone can prophesy one after the other for the encouragement, strengthening, and comfort of people. Just your words alone can alter the course of someone's life. I hear about it all the time. Are you being faithful with your words to encourage people, to strengthen them, to comfort them? Key number three, we've got a couple more keys. Key number three, get other people involved so they can see God's work increase. Now I thought this was an interesting part of the story because what we know is God can create something out of nothing, God can speak and bring the world to existence. God can speak and throw the stars into space. God can speak and bring light out of darkness. But it's interesting what Elisha tells this widow. He says, go to your neighbors. Go to your neighbors and ask for jars. She says, I have this one little jar. God could have done something with that one little jar, but instead he says, go to your neighbors. Go and ask them, why? Why is God always telling his people to go out? Because God wants people to have the opportunity to see his power. God wants other people. He never wants it to stop with you. God puts you in a specific neighborhood, and you might go, man, I have the worst neighborhood. Good, because light shines brightest in darkness. God wants your neighbors to hear about him. God wants you to interact. Man, you say, man, I'm not bold enough to share the gospel. Are you bold enough to say hi? A hi can change someone's life. I have heard about people not taking their own life because someone greeted them. They said, I was going to take my life, and then someone asked me how I was doing, and I could see that they cared. Are you talking to your neighbors? Go to your neighbors Go to the people in your schools. Go to the people in your business. He says, go around and get these jars. That's why we make these little flyers, is so that people can have the chance to hear about God. You might think, man, my job or, or, or my, my home, it's so rough. But you know what? Maybe God puts you there because he cares so deeply about the people around you. And you're like, the people around me, they're awful. Yeah, but what could they be if they meet Jesus? You think they're so hard. Maybe they're hard because they've been treated so harshly their whole life. Hurting people hurt people. And maybe people around you treat you harshly because they've never met someone that's loving. But go to your neighbors, she says, go to your neighbors and get jars from them. You know, we talk a lot about wanting to see the Jesus movement, but what we don't talk about is, is it didn't just miraculously happen. If you start studying the books, if you start reading the articles, there was, it was a time when people started just going and inviting their friends like crazy. There were people going up, just walking up to strangers on the beach. People were hitchhiking and just starting to talk about Jesus. Here's what happens. You talk about Jesus enough, and eventually people start listening. Right? You, 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 you swing at enough pitches and even if you're blindfolded, you'll eventually hit one. Right? You say Jesus enough and you're going to eventually get a hungry person. Right? And so start inviting, start passing these out. I encourage you, take this one flyer. I, I double dog dare you this week to just say, hey, my church is starting a couple new services inside and outside. Have you ever heard of a church that does inside and outside churches? right, and, 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 and just say, I'd love for you to come. We have a seat for you. And watch what happens. It might be the very thing that turns someone's life completely around. That's why, we're, that's why we're starting these three services because we believe that God's speaking about increase and so we're saying, okay, let's add another jar. Let's add another jar. When God speaks a word to you, you've got to make room for it. You've, gotta, you've got to actually say, okay, by faith, I'm going to take a step. So, we're going to do that as a church, but let me ask you personally what is the area that God wants to increase in your life? Right? God loves faith. Faith is pleasing to God. God's talking to you about the blessing He wants to bring you in business, but it will never happen if you don't start your business. He can't bless your business if you never started it. Right? God's, God's telling you, I, I, I want you to, to, to go and, and be a doctor. You can't be a doctor if you don't actually take the first step and apply to med school. Yeah, but I might fail. They might reject me. But you might not. He might open the door for you. Right? But I might fail in this business. Yeah, but you might not. God might bless it. Right? Some of you need to ask someone out. You're like, but they might reject me. But they might say yes. Right? And you can't get married if you don't say hi. <laughs> well, I don't have any friends. Have you talked to anyone? Well, they might reject me, but they might not. You might be missing out on your best friend because you won't say hi. <laughs> What's the increase that God wants to bring on your life? You got you gotta to by, start by making room. Now watch this. Key four. Kingdom increase comes through going into the secret place. Lest you think I'm, I'm, I'm making it all fall on you, it doesn't all depend on you. Actually, every time you see something increasing in the kingdom of God, you're always gonna see that people, someone had gone into the secret place. Elisha says this, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Can I just tell you, um, if I take this cup, right, I take this, this, this thing of water, and I had 10 water, empty water bottles. Let me ask you, is it possible with this one to fill up 10? No, it's impossible. But what happens? The impossible happens in the secret place with God. The impossible happens in the secret place with with God. The impossible happens. So everything's going against you. Can I tell you, go into the secret place in God and start pouring. Pouring in scripture symbolizes the ministry of prayer. You start pouring out your prayers to God. You start pouring out your requests to Him. You start pouring out your intercession for your prodigal child. Don't give up, your child is worth it. You start pouring out your prayers for your broken family. Do not give up, right? You, you put in your prayers, but then God multiplies it. You keep sowing in the secret place. You keep, you, keep, you keep giving. Give financially in the secret place and see if God won't bless you. I've seen this over and over in our life financially, that God blessed us more and more as we just kept giving in the secret place. I've seen over and over again in our life as we just, things looked impossible, but we said we're just going to keep sowing in prayer in the secret place. You keep pouring out. Every amazing thing this church has seen, whether it's just miraculous provision, whether it's so many people coming to the Lord, whether it's planting numerous churches, it's happened, it's started in the secret place. What is God speaking, increase? Now go to that secret place and partner with him. Last one, key five. Key five, God has specific strategies to bring increase into our lives. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I mean, this is just crazy, right? A woman, she's lost her husband, her sons look like they're gonna be sold into slavery, and the Spirit of God through Elisha and through the secret place says this, go get the one thing you have, a little jar of oil, Go collect a lot of jars from your neighbors and then start pouring it out and I'm gonna supernaturally multiply that and then you're gonna have so much that you're gonna be able to pay off your debts and live on it. Because that is a strange, have you ever noticed the Bible is strange? It doesn't make sense, like you're not gonna find that in a business book. Here's the way to make money. Go get a bunch of empty jars and take oil, right? You go into your pantry, get a lot of avocado oil and it's just gonna keep multiplying, and then you're gonna have an avocado oil business. God has such unique strategies. He has a different one from you. Stop looking at your neighbor. Stop just copying the next person on YouTube. Can I say that again? Stop just looking at the next person on Instagram and saying, I'm gonna to try to mirror their life to have a good life. No, you go, you go seek the Lord. You, show, you, show, you come down when we say, does anyone want prayer? So you can get a prophetic ministry. You go into the secret place and let God give you the craziest strategy ever of, "I have one little jar of oil." OK, go ask a bunch of other people for jars of oil, and then you go in the secret place and you pour your tiny little jar, and there's going to be so many that it's going to fill up every single jar, and you better get a ton because the second you don't have a jar, it's going to stop filling them up. Like, do you believe this is real? Can I just ask you, do you believe this book is real? Like if you believe this book is real, then you can't be hopeless today because God can take a widow who's lost her husband and lost, about to lose her sons, and with a little jar of oil, he can bring a breakthrough that pays off creditors and then lets her live on it. God is the God of the impossible. God is the God of increase. And God is encouraging us, church. He's encouraging you, come to me. Come, don't look at how things are today. Come to me and get strategy from me. And you take an act of faith today from me and see and watch me bring the increase. That's what we're doing as a church. That's why we're having this unique strategy of one service inside at 8.30 and then a service at 10 o'clock out here and then another service inside at 11.30. Why? Because we feel like God's leading us to do that, right? God wants us to use our air condition and God wants us to use our awesome tent. He is giving us a strategy for increase. God wants to give you a strategy for increase in your life. Let's stand up.